Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Toyo Open Country AT3. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast. I literally just walked into my office after watching. I, I don't want to hyperbole overreact, but as entertaining, I, I won't call it the greatest game ever. Because, at least me, I know some people, not every one of my listeners are millennials. I'm a millennial, but I'm an old school millennial. I do like defense. Uh, You know, I I texted some buddies mid-Monday night game. You know, I like the Sunday night game a little bit more. At games and 54-51 with the crowd that, give LA some props now, the crowd was lit. Liddy, as the kids would say. But there is no dispute whether they, I think they gave away the tickets. Uh, but that was awesome. Just an absolutely incredible game. Uh, as football fan, it doesn't get any better than that. It's why, that's why football is the number one sport. We'll dive into that here in a second. And also, I'm going to touch on the Bears and, and the Sunday night game and some just different things, I think, uh, around the league. But just to, just to start off, uh, that is what the NFL wants. But you're not going to usually get that. I mean, th- this is the that that was an outlier of an outlier. You know, I mean, that's you're talking about. Mahomes is as talented a young quarterback as we've ever seen. Andy Reid is 60 years old in the peak of his play calling powers. Sean McVay is like a boy genius. You know, the most unique part about that game is you have those two coaches. One guy 60. The other guy is 32 or 33, and they are perfectly equipped 
to dominate with these rules. I mean, Andy has been dying for these type rules for 25 years. He wants He's a pass-heavy guy. And Sean McVay is just groomed from the West Coast offense, the Gruden brothers, Kyle Shanahan. Like, this is the way he thinks. He's like a, a, a skinny, smaller version of Andy. I mean, these guys were like pigs in, in a huge bucket of shit tonight. I mean, they, they were just having fun. At one point, Booger went... Going into and the Monday Night Football, for as great as the game is, God, the broadcast is terrible. But as we're going into the fourth quarter, Booger drops up. Now Andy's really going to let Patrick Mahomes loose. I checked the box score. He'd already had 28 attempts. Let him loose. He'd been letting him loose since the jump. Both these cats have been let loose. Mahomes, 33 of 46, almost 500 yards, six touchdowns, and three picks. Two of them are a little fluky. Goff, 31 of 49. 400 yards and four touchdowns. They combined for 10 touchdowns. And it felt that way. It, it, but, but to me, my the coaching is just beyond elite. Scheming guys open left and right. I mean, you're seeing two guys with a laminated play sheet in front of them in the peak of their powers. It just do, it doesn't get any better than that. And listen, I, I don't love some of these soft rules. And defensive play is terrible. But holy hell, you know, I'm a huge fan of coaching. And I, I was lucky enough for a couple years, hell, to have an office, uh, I mean, 10 feet away from Andy. Now, mine was way smaller, but just logistically, it wasn't very far away. The guy's a genius. He is such a good play caller. Sean McVay is elite, too. I mean, those two guys, I, I was thinking this over the weekend. I, I stumbled upon... On Friday night, flipping the channels on Mike Holmgren and his football life, he left the the Green Bay Packers, kind of a contract dispute, wanted more money, more power, and got $4 million from Seattle in 1999. Now, he was the general manager and the head coach, but still, I mean, he got $4 million. I started thinking this weekend, and it just kind of hit me actually as I'm talking right now, like, Sean Mc... Do you know what Sean McVay is worth to Stan Kroenke? I mean, right now he's on his, you know, first ever coaching contract. He's probably making 4 or $5 million. Like, I got news for you, ladies and gentlemen. That's a $15 million coach. Like, Andy Reid. Do you know Andy? what Andy Reid is? I'll tell you. One of the most underpaid guys in the NFL. Do you know what the Chiefs would be without Andy Reid? Terrible. You know what they were before him? Terrible. Like, do you know what Andy Reid is? Should be making, he, everyone's like, Middlecoff, he makes like $8 million. And he's underpaid. He, he should make double that. I mean, he, he works for a $2 billion company, and he's the leader of the damn thing. He's driving the ship. Did you see McVay and Andy Reid? I mean, what are those two guys worth? Combined, they probably make $12 million. They're worth double, triple. I mean, what what are those two guys worth? Seriously. I, I'm not kidding. Yeah, I mean, he's, they, they are... I mean, Andy's 60, but he was meant for this NFL. And he's been damn good in every version of the NFL. But him and McVay, I mean, they're just toying with each other. They can't, either team can be stopped. Now, in fairness to all the points, there were, I think, three defensive touchdowns. You know, uh, Mahomes had the fumble that went for a touchdown, a pick that went for a touchdown, and... Some other play that went. I mean, there are three defense. Oh, and then the and then the Rams had, or I mean, the Allen Bailey had the Justin Houston strip for a touchdown. I mean, there were three defensive touchdowns. 
So the game still would have been really high scoring, but it's just a little skewed. And but man, I mean, holy hell. That that that's as good of an offensive coaching as you'll see. I mean, those two guys, it, it can't be overstated here how good those two dudes are in this league. Like that's Pika, it just doesn't get any better. I'm really kind of in awe, and I'm a guy that kind of favors defense over offense, and I was mesmerized. That was jaw-dropping television. Like, that's just, I, I, I can't imagine there's ever been a Monday night, if social media does any justice to this game, has to be the highest rated football game in the history of at least ESPN having Monday night football games. Like, it just... That was awesome. Let's talk really quick about the two quarterbacks. Because, I mean, they kind of stole... Just, they... The quarterbacks get all the limelight just naturally anyway. And I think we have two of the bright young stars in the league. We definitely, in Mahomes, have one of the most uniquely talented young players we've seen in a long, long time. Because as he scrambles... Now, there, he threw a couple bad picks at the end of the game, but he was kind of forcing it for the most part. And I'm not even talking necessarily just about this Monday Night Football game. If you just watch him play, for a guy, you know sometimes you, you go into like someone's office and they're really discombobulated. I mean, they just got stuff everywhere, but they know exactly what they're doing. It's like they may be the most important guy in the building, but you're like, God damn, how does he find anything? But he just knows where everything is. Like, you watch Mahomes, you're like, he's running around, he's doing all this crazy stuff, and then he'll just let one rip, and it'll hit the dude on the hands. You know, it's not like he's just throwing it up and keeping his fingers crossed and and hopes that, you know, Jesus places it in some guy's hands. (laughs) Every time that he throws, when he's crazy on the move to the left, to the right, when he's climbing in the pocket, he just throws an incredible, just perfectly placed ball. Like, the work that Andy and those guys have done with him, just clearly in, like, individual drills. And the one time that he threw the pick tonight on that little pass where he got flat-footed, it's like the one good point Jason Witten's had so far in his broadcasting career, he did get lazy with his footwork. But for the most part, he's pretty fundamentally sound for a guy that looks like he's playing backyard football. And I know I've made the comp before. It has a little Steph Curry vibe to it, like, God, I don't know if I've ever seen this quite before. Now, I, I get it. In the in this 2018 with social media, we just see everything. We hear everything. Like, you know, I, I don't vividly remember. I mean, I was 10 at the time, 8. Like, Favre's rookie year in Green Bay. I guess it wasn't technically his rookie year, like his second year. Uh, you just watch, like, his football life and stuff. I mean, clearly he was doing stuff that was just jaw-dropping. But this guy, I, I mean, he's a unique talent, and man, is he fun to watch. I mean, you talk about a primetime quarterback that is just, like, the difference between him and Goff, and I'm going to get into Jared here in a second, is Mahomes' traits are just elite. You know, his his arm strength is just elite. His ability to throw on the run is just elite. His ability to throw on the move accurately is just elite. I mean, it's just he has special characteristics and qualities. I would say the most special part about Jared Goff's game, and it's it's arguably the most important characteristic for for any quarterback. I I, I would say for most people in life, 
that that are at a high level of anything. When shit hits the fan, can you stay calm? Jared Goff is a cool, calm, collected customer. Like, he is very California cool, very even keel, plays the fourth quarter, you know, down 51 to 47 like he does the first drive, up 7 to nothing. He is just, to me, that's the most impressive part about him. You know, like, when you see Bill Belichick after touchdowns and he doesn't even get excited? Like, that's kind of golf. And that, to me, sometimes you don't love that in a player, uh, that, that to me is one of Goff's best attributes, just how under control he is. Now I have friends in the league and I just, you just look at people on Twitter. Some people think he's a system quarterback and he clearly is helped by McVay. I, I think they lead the league of most passes under center, uh, definitely lead the league in play action passes. So like the scheme and Todd Gurley are a huge help to him. I mean, no one's disputing that, but you watch tonight. Like, just how comfortable he is in a big spot. Just the way he carries himself, his body language, his posture, and just how, like, confident he is with every throw. Now, he's going to make some bad throws. I mean, it's football. It's NFL. The, the, the other guys on the team drive nice cars, too. You know, this is – they get paid a bunch of money, too. You know, and I know the Chiefs – everyone's crushing the Chiefs' defense. I mean, you see Chris Jones, dude from – I think he's from Mississippi State. He's a monster. Justin Houston may be a little old. But a fellow bald brother, Duke can still rush the passer. Like, they're not, they're, their front is not terrible. But, man, I mean, Mahomes is just a a special, special passer. And Goff is just, what a cool, calm customer, man. He is, he may never be, you know, I don't know, Favre or even what Mahomes is going to become. But he, 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 to me, has a chance, like, Matt Ryan, like a better version of that. And you can talk crap about Matt Ryan and make fun of it. Like, Matt Ryan's had a hell of a career. Like, I, I think Goff can become a better version, especially with McVay. That's the thing that Mahomes and, and, and Goff have going for him. Unlike Russell Wilson or, hell, uh, like Matt Ryan, a lot, of co- a lot of quarterbacks, their head coach is a defensive guy. So the offensive coordinator changes a little bit. Like, where's McVay going? He's 32 in L.A. Where's Andy Reid going? He's 60 and never been happier. You know, I mean, these guys are going to be stalwarts in their organization. These quarterbacks, Mahomes clearly has a higher ceiling, but, I mean, why couldn't Goff, I mean, go down as a Hall of Fame quarterback one day? You know, he's got a long way to go. I mean, obviously, they both do, but I would bet on them both. It's not like Goff is like some six-round pick that's overachieving. I mean, he's the number one pick in the draft. That You know who else was in that draft? I don't know, Carson Wentz? Patrick Mahomes was in a decent draft, too. You know who was in his draft? Mitch Trubisky. Who you can say what you want about him, but he's coming along nicely for the Bears. You know the other guy? I don't know, Deshaun Watson. They're 7-3. and three. The Bears and the and the, uh, the Houston Texans are 7-3. and three. They're decent. I mean, that's shaping up to be a decent quarterback class. Trubisky, Watson, Mahomes. Keep sleeping on that quarterback class. Goff and Wentz, I mean, that's that's two special back-to-back quarterback classes. But just, in, I mean, enjoy that. I Both these two teams are playoff teams. Both of these two teams, I mean, probably a bigger game for the Rams, given that they're fighting for the number one seed. But, man, I, I mean, I could, I'm going to go back and watch that game in the morning. That, that, that was a blast. How about them Bears? You know, sometimes 
And I, I can relate to this in a sense. I'm not saying by any means what I do. I'm at the level of Khalil Mack. But I think a lot of people listening can relate to this too. When you're sometimes, you take a job or you get into, you know, involved with a company and you have an idea of what you're going to be doing and the people you're going to be working for. And, you know, the difference between in pro sports when you're coming into the workforce, they pick you. When you come into the workforce as a normal employee, for the most part, you get to pick them. But really, in your younger years, you know, unless you're just, and some people listening to me, you know, might have gone to Harvard or Stanford and had their pick of the litter at jobs. But for the most part, you're pretty limited, you know, those first 10 years from when you graduate college, probably till your early mid-30s, until you network and start knowing a lot of people in your field that you don't really have that much leverage in job negotiations. You're just kind of stuck and you can get in some positions where, you know, you're working for people that are not as talented as you, that you're just like, what is this guy talking about? Or working with people you can't stand and you're just kind of stuck. Now, eventually, if you're good enough at your job, you can leave. You know, your work will speak for itself. But there comes a time, and this can happen when you're older too. I just can relate. This happened to me in my late 20s, early 30s. Where you just kind of feel stuck. And you're like, God, I would die to be with. You see other people in other companies. Now, it, it, the grass isn't always greener. But sometimes when you get an opportunity to do something else, it can reinvigorate you. Uh, being around more talented people, people can bring out the best in yourself. And when Khalil Mack, who was, again, he didn't choose the Raiders. The Raiders chose him. In his time in Oakland, the players he played around were terrible were a joke his coaches now Ken Norton has been around the NFL a long time but he's not a great coach and I know they're doing decent things in in Seattle right now but it's Pete Carroll's defense Jack Del Rio uh Khalil Mack's best coach not a scheme guy so when Khalil wanted fair market value which the market bore out every team in the league was willing to pay him except the Raiders it wasn't necessarily as much the money well I mean it was about the money but it was also about, like, if you if you even have to think about wanting me, you guys are idiots. Khalil Mack was kind of gifted. He ends up with the Chicago Bears, who I, I've been saying for a long time, they were like, I mean, if they were a stock, I would have bought uh, a lot of them last year. Because if you watch them play, they were a good shitty team. It was clear they were just missing some offensive weapons and a coach with a pulse. Little did I know they would keep Fangio when they hired the new offensive coach. They would also get Roquan Smith in the draft and trade for Khalil Mack. I mean, if you're Khalil Mack, you're looking around, you you go, God, I got Keem Hicks. I got Leonard Floyd. I got Roquan and Danny Trevathan. I mean, Danny Trevathan started on a Super Bowl defense that was a you know, that won the Super Bowl because of their defense in the Denver Broncos. You got Roquan Smith, who's the best linebacker prospect to come out in a couple years. Then you add Allen Robinson. You add Trey Burton. You add Matt Nagy. Trubisky gets a little older, a little more experienced. And you're just like, God, I hit the jackpot. Not because financially they gave me $90 million, which also hitting the jackpot, but I, I earned that money. Like, my play spoke for that. But then there are things as a player that are out of your control. How high level is your organization? Is it a big boy organization? Well, guess what the Bears are? A top five media market. Do you know what I'm doing watching that game Sunday night? Because the Raiders don't have this in the bag. You know? 
that they couldn't matter this much to the NFL. The Bears are just a bigger deal, not even arguable. You know, they've been to the Super Bowl. They've been in the Super Bowl mix several times in the last 15 years. The Raiders, all they do is lose. And then you get to go with like-minded people, a high-level defensive coordinator, and a team that's going to win 11, 12 games this year. Like, there is no disputing after watching Sunday night, the Bears are good. Here's another thing. The Khalil Mack is one of the biggest trades in the history of the NFL. I don't remember one individual player having such an impact on a team via trade. It's insane. But really, when you just remove yourself from that vacuum of, well, a player got traded, mainly because players like Khalil Mack don't typically get traded. If they did more often in the NFL, things like this would happen. This is much more like an NBA or a Major League Baseball trade. And the reason you don't ever see it is because why on God's green earth would a team ever trade a guy they drafted who then became that good? It, It would never happen. It really is unheard of that this guy is on the Bears. And if you're a Bears fan or you just enjoy watching football and now that the Bears are good, just thank your lucky stars. Anyone not a Raider fan, or I guess maybe like a Packer fan, probably not happy, or a Viking fan, that you got this guy on your team because he shouldn't be there. And then you see him there with all these other guys, and he's the best on a team full of really good players. Like, think about that. On a team with a high-level defense and just a city known for defense, he is by far their best player. He changed the game against Minnesota. They had to double-team him all the time. He just feels a little more energized. And he was pretty energized with the Raiders. He always he hung his hat on playing hard. But he seems just like a happier human. And do you blame him? I know when I got my opportunity to kind of start fresh and go, you know, work with like-minded people, it's a little different because I'm more internet-based now. So, you know, you're Skyping people, you're talking to them through text, whatever. But you just don't have to be around the lower-level people. And, again, the grass isn't always greener. We all can complain about any job or any situation we're always in. You can always find the negative, right? But the positive slant for Khalil Mack is simple. He got his money. He is around the best and the brightest on his defense. He Listen, I had a front-row seat for Vic Fangio when he was with Jim Harbaugh. He is an elite defensive coordinator. And he's just in a bright-light city. Chicago, baby. Instead of playing for... The Oakland Raiders do not have an official home for 2019. They do not have a place to play. A pl- They do not have... Like the Bears, you know where they're going to be next year? In 20 years? In 50 years? I don't know. Soldier Field? You know where the Raiders are going to be next year? Your guess as good as mine. Mexico? San Antonio? Uh, Stanford? <laughs> Vegas? I don't know. You tell me. Khalil Mack doesn't have to deal with any of that dysfunction, that just unknown, that nomadic mentality. He can just settle down, buy a place in suburban Chicago, and just kick ass and take names, and just an absolute joy to watch. And when people ask me, how would you describe Khalil Mack? I I simply say, he's one of the best players I've ever seen. You know, we can break down his play. It's just simple. He is one of the best players I've ever seen. And as big as an impactful player on a weekly basis as any front seven player I've ever seen. Just a phenomenal move by Ryan Pace. Matt Nagy has this team rolling. Gruden looks dumber by the day. It is one of the all-time stupid trades. Because when the first thing you say is, yeah, he's one of the best players I've ever seen. In his prime, you don't trade that guy. Okay, let's hit on a couple 
stories from this weekend that actually broke before the games, then I'll dive into a couple things I, I saw on Sunday that I liked. Well, the, the biggest story of the day, now, is it a story or a non-story? Always do this when you see a story. Think to yourself, and this is what I do, where did it come from? Who wanted that out? Because a story did just not randomly break. Who are they trying to make look worse? And I, I've been doing this with the Draymond Green, Kevin Durant story. As everything leaked, like, who's leaking what? And if you can retrack or backtrack that way, you'll get a better idea. So the first story, let's start at the smaller one first. J, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars would be open to trading Jalen Ramsey this offseason. I don't think that's that crazy. I bet they've had those discussions. Are we going to give Jalen Ramsey, I don't know, $75 million, $80 million guaranteed one day? Is he worth it as a player? 1,000%. He is an elite player. Is he worth it in my locker room and to deal with? Now, I, I don't know. All I know is from the outside. I know he never shuts up. I know he's got an opinion on everything, and so do I. Luckily, I'm in the media, not on a team. The difference is, like, Tom Coughlin, the way he wants to operate is a little bit old school. Like, you don't give your opponent just locker room, bulletin board material every single week. It's one thing to, like, okay, we're playing the Bills. You can rip Josh Allen. I I wouldn't like it, but I can live with it. He sucks. He can't complete a pass. I, I get it. Nathan Peterman. It's another thing to call, like, Phillip Rivers, say he sucks. Like, no, he doesn't. Like, say Tyreek Hill's not any good. No, no, Jalen, he is. You know, like, Jalen's not even right about most of his evaluations. So I could see him driving the organization a little nuts and just know, like, if I see your true colors when you're not making that much money, now, he was a top five pick. He makes good coin. But if you make five, six million dollars, and then I start paying you 19, you know, you think I had the balls to say whatever I wanted before. I'm untouchable now. It has to cross their mind. It's not that crazy. Now, I don't know if the Jags would want that to get out. Maybe they would. Maybe they're like, you know what, Jalen? We don't mind you thinking this. Now, I know they released a statement saying, you know, we're not considering trading him or whatever. I, I That's what they had to do. Maybe they wanted to motivate. And guess what? It worked. He had two picks. He played good. You know, he is good. He's an elite player. If they traded him, it won't be because of talent. It's because he's a pain in their ass. You know? It's, it's not, un- players like Jalen Ramsey have been traded before. You know, he's not, a per- he never shuts up. Like, that's the crazy part going back to the Cleo Mack trade. He's perfect. He doesn't say a peep, never gets in trouble, no issues. Now, your one counter on Jalen be like, okay, he says a lot, who cares? It's not like he's ever been in trouble. Again, he, it's, it's difficult. I see both sides of it. The other one was Condoleezza Rice. And I, I don't know where Schefter got this. She shot it down. The Brown shot it down. Uh, I, I honestly haven't been able to figure this one out uh, because there were some rumors read on the internet that she aspires to be the commissioner of the NFL, which she might, and maybe she's openly talked about it. Here, here's the problem. Like, Roger Goodell just signed an extension. You don't just walk away from jobs that pay you 35 40 $50 million. Roger's doing this job for a while. He ain't going anywhere. It's not like Condi's getting any younger. She could not be the head coach. I, I think... It was universal. Anyone that knows what they're talking about or has any common sense when they saw this was like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever read. Because it was. You can, it's not one of those jobs like, you can just learn on the fly. No, it's impossible. 
part of being the head coach is like you have to be a good leader, but you also have to know about scheme. You have to be able to talk football. And not just casually. Like, I know a lot about football. I couldn't begin to be a coach. Couldn't begin to be a head coach in the NFL. It was not plausible. It was it was as dumb as we all thought when we read the headline. The Browns immediately had to shoot it down. Why? Because one of their problems going to be this offseason is getting legitimate people to interview. Because as I've said before, two things. You're the Browns. People think you're kind of a clown show, which you have been consistently for the last however many years. And two is like, how, what, what kind of dealings do I have to do with Jimmy Haslam? Because I also think when you do retrace this story, it's, and I know reporters and journalists get mad at this, but I'm sorry, I, I source guess. I mean, it's, I, I have judgments on everything else I talk about, so I, I take guesses and liberties, and I have, I'm not trying to discredit or anything on Adam Schefter. I don't know where he got this, but if I had to guess, someone in the Haslam crew. Why? Because someone at the Haslam's, hardcore Republicans, no Condi Rice from politics, like, it's not crazy to think that they had this idea. Jimmy Haslam has shown on his resume to consistently be an idiot. Hired Hugh Jackson. You know, hired Paul D. Podesta. Wanted the University of Tennessee to hire Greg Schiano. Like, he does dumb stuff consistently. Let a bum tell him to draft Johnny Menzel. Like, I, I'm sorry, I don't give Jimmy Haslam the benefit of the doubt. Third generation, rich kid, even though he's old. I mean, he comes from old money. Uh, so, did would it be did Jimmy Haslam or D Haslam, his wife, have conversations that maybe we should interview Condoleezza Rice? I could see that. Would John Dorsey in a million years ever think that? No. Would any respectable candidate willing to interview respect that idea? No. So the Browns had to shoot it down. I, maybe Condi had never even heard of this. That's why she shot it down. But it's just an incredible story. And then when you look around to the action actually on the football field, I took some shots of the Cowboys like a month ago. And I've had to apologize since. I said I hated watching them. They were very boring. They've actually grown on me a lot. Their defense is fantastic to watch. Their defensive line is unreal. I mean, they, they can really rush the passer. The two linebackers make plays left and right. Zeke's coming on. Dak is playing well. They are hot. They are 5-5, five and five, but a 5-5 five and five team that now looks, they're playing the Redskins this Turkey Day, and Alex Smith has a snapped ankle. So they should win that and be 6-5, and five, and then they have Sunday night football in 10 days against the Saints. Somehow they were able to win that and be 7-5. and five. I mean, they're going to the playoffs. They, they feel like a playoff team right now, to be honest with you. They, they, they are in great shape to win this thing. Lamar Jackson. Pretty clear one thing on Lamar Jackson. He can't throw. He ran the ball 27 times. That is insane. But even more insane than 27 carries for your quarterback is the way that he took hits. He doesn't slide. He doesn't go out of bounds. He dives shoulder first. He was taking so many hits from a violent defense. The Bengals, they do hit you hard. He took some shots that I was holding my breath. And I'm not... Like, I'm on the side where I don't think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. But I'm not selfish enough as like, oh, I want everyone to say I was right on Twitter. I I don't care. If Lamar Jackson becomes a great player, good for him. Uh, I'm pretty sure he won't be. Be Why? Because he can't throw. But I know one thing. He cannot sustain. Like, he's not going to be in the NFL long. Why? He's going to get broken in half. 
You cannot run that many times and not avoid hits. It was crazy. It was like he was a running back. Now, he basically is a glorified running back, but he's going to get killed. I, I felt bad watching him play because I thought he was going to get injured. Holding my breath just thinking about it. The Vikings offensive line, their defense is big time. Like, you watch them against the Bears, they're every bit of their equal. You watch Kirk Cousins. I know some people are down on him. I know Colin doesn't love him. Listen, he's he's not the problem. Is he great? Is he worth the money? Probably not. But their main issue is not the wide receivers. It's not their running back, and surely not their defense. It's their offensive line. It's atrocious. They can't block a soul. And when you put them against a good defense, a good defensive line like the Bears have, they ate them for lunch. They destroyed them. Looked like Alabama playing, I don't know, the Citadel. You know, the Alabama playing a cupcake game. Alabama playing, I almost say Kentucky, but they're actually pretty good this year. I don't know, so the teams they killed, the Arkansas's of the world. Like, they have no chance to block them. Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks look like players that would be on Alabama playing a non-power, playing Fresno State. Like, this isn't even fair. And they're, if they miss the playoffs, it will 100% be because their offensive line sucked. It's terrible. It's getting guys, it's it's going to get Cousins killed. Andrew Luck is a star. He's not a good player. He's not a really good player. He is a star. A dominant quarterback. We knew that three or four years ago. There were legitimate questions once he went under the knife and he disappeared for a year and a half. Well, he's back. He's seven straight games with three touchdowns. They're 5-5 five and five and on a four-game winning streak. They just beat the living crap out of the Tennessee Titans, a division rival. They are playing excellent. Their offense, T.Y.'s balling, Andrew's balling, Eric Ebron's balling. Their offensive line is balling. I don't think he's been sacked in like three straight games. I didn't love Quentin Nelson at pick six, but he's been awesome. Their offensive line has been awesome. Frank Reich's been awesome. They are a fun team to watch. And if you play Daily Fantasy, he Andrew Luck, you're crazy if you don't pick him every game because he's going to give you 300 yards and three touchdowns. It's automatic. I mean, literally right now, it's automatic. He does it for seven straight games. He, he's been awesome. So anyone that you know that is an Andrew Luck hater, call them an idiot because that's what they are, a moron. Andrew Luck is a baller. Before we get into the Middlecoff mailbag, and you can slide up into my DMs at, at John Middlecoff, I just got to touch on one college game. Biggest, one of the biggest college games of the year, Ohio State, Michigan, games in Ohio State. And it's pretty fascinating. I said a couple weeks ago, the moment Michigan beat Wisconsin, that the path was kind of paved. They took care of Penn State, took care of Rutgers, took care of Indiana. They, they've kind of handled their business. Ohio State, luckily, has kept winning. They just played Maryland and uh, game going to overtime. No, they tried to win it. And they were holding on for their ass. And they are not playing well. And there is tangible pressure on Jim Harbaugh to win this game. Urban Meyer, I call him Fraud Meyer. I can't take him seriously. He's just such a hypocrite. The guys he's recruited. I mean, he's had a murderer, domestic violence. Listen, he's a fantastic and elite coach. But it looks like he looked like hell every time the camera went to him on the sideline. Their team is not playing well at all. Defensively, they look like a shell of themselves. Uh, to me, it pushes all the... I mean, right now, Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines are like a four-point favorite, depending on where you look. 
there is tangible pressure on Jim Harbaugh to win this game. Uh, there have been constant rumors about Urban quitting or retiring. It sure kind of feels that way. His team, I, I don't know if they've quit on him, but they're surely not playing up to snuff. They have way more talent than they're showing. Harbaugh's team's absolutely rolling. He has a quarterback playing well for the first time ever and elite defense. Like, do not get it twisted. If Jim loses this game, and I don't care that it's Ohio State, and I don't care that it's a rivalry game, it'll be somewhat of a stain on his resume. Like, this thing is handed for him to win this game. His team's rolling. Ohio State's in shambles. There's all these rumors about the coach quitting or retiring. He looks unhealthy on the sideline. Jim is one win away, really two, because then he'd go to the Big 12 Championship where he'd play, or excuse me, Big 10 Championship where he'd play an average Northwestern team. All he's got to do is win this game. He's in the playoffs. Again, I know he's got another game, but I'm assuming he's going to win that game. He ain't losing Northwestern. Not with the playoffs on the uh, on the line. He, he's got to take care of business at Ohio State. And I'll be honest, and this would be the, the red flag against Jim as a great coach. I'm not that confident he's going to win the game on Saturday. I, I would actually probably say he won't. You know, that's very Jim Harbaugh. Get really close and then not win. But he, he, he's got to come through. Or he would catch a lot of heat, and rightfully so. Uh, especially with Urban, that I swear in that Maryland game, it looked like he was going to have a heart attack mid, mid-game. mid And I don't blame him. His team was terrible. Shiano's defense is awful. Uh, but, God, Jim, I mean, they're paying you $8, 9000000 You're in full control of the program. You got him rolling. You are two games away, officially, unofficially one, away from the playoff. Like, time to get it done, Harbaugh. Okay, let's uh, get to the Middlecoff mailbag. Slide up in my DMs, at John Middlecoff, and I will answer your questions right here on the 3 and Out podcast. Hey, John, Jesse from Wisconsin here, longtime listener of the podcast. I guess my question is this. The way the NFL is moving with heavily favored offense of the, of the rules on offense, is the game going to be unrecognizable in about 10 years? I love offense as much as the next guy, same, but I grew up on Ed Reed, Sean Taylor's, Brian Dawkins, big hits. I can already see how different the game oh, I clicked it, uh, is going to be in 10, 12 years. Do you think the game, Do you will they even be allowed to play defense? I mean, practically you can't at this point. It's kind of ironic. This, this question is actually like a week old, um, 10 days old. But I, I, I do think they have a problem on their hands that their first reaction is always throw the flag. Tonight, there was a flag at the end of the game that they threw like targeting or spearing or whatever with the helmet. The tight end lowered his head, and the DB was just sitting there waiting to tackle him. The tight end's head hit his head, and they threw the flag. I mean, it's crazy. There was a targeting on like the first series of the game where the guy didn't even hit the, def- the offensive player. I, I the my least favorite vocabulary word in sports is defenseless player. If you're a wide receiver, you are not defenseless. You know running over the middle, or at least you used to, that you could get hit. And now they're they're defenseless because they don't think they can get hit. The game is going to change. Yeah, it's becoming much more flag football esque. The one area you can still dominate is the front. You know, it's the D-lines, as you saw tonight, 95 for Kansas City, Aaron Donald. You didn't really hear an Adamican Sue. But those guys, you get so tired. 
you know, even if you play every snap, like if you have one sack a game, that's 16 sacks. You know, I mean, it's not like a touchdown. You're not going to throw like five or six. I mean, you have an unreal game. You have two sacks. So unless you have like three elite pass rushers, that's really what makes the Bears so special is they got like four guys that can rush the passer. You watch the Rams, they really only got one. I mean, the Chiefs have what, two? So it's just, I the game's changed. It's definitely becoming a little more collegiate at the NFL level. Uh, they're very in CYA mode in terms of they throw the flags because they don't want to get sued for head injuries. It's really that black and white. Like, don't get it twisted. The league office is not worried about injuries and all that crap beside injuries on quarterbacks ruining their primetime games. That's all they care about. Like, they don't want Jimmy Garoppolo hurt, though Jimmy caused himself. They don't want Tom Brady. They don't want Aaron Rodgers getting slammed to the ground, which I'm okay with. But I'm not okay with you having crazy protection for wide receivers. You know, that there should be some repercussions. You go over the middle, there's a dude in the numbers with 20s or 30s, maybe 40s, you know, old school, ready to hit you and hit you hard. I, I still like big hits. Uh, I, I know a lot of people listening probably like big hits. They're just fewer and far between now. Is far even a word? But they're not even, you know, fewer hits. They're just not allowed. Because if you launch, more than likely, even if you connect fundamentally sound with your shoulder pad and your head up and everything they teach you in peewee football, the, the, the first move the referee does naturally now is reach for his flag. He thinks violence equals a flag. So, yeah, that, that makes me mad, makes me sad. But I, I'm also embraced. Like, I make my living off talking about football. I don't want it to go away. So, you just got to adapt with it. I mean, this is just the hand the sport has been dealt. They've adapted faster. Like, baseball's adaptation is the polar opposite of football. Like, football just adapts at rapid speed. They've had to change the rules, and they have. Not always for the better, uh, us as consumers. But it's just a reality. So, yeah, the game is just going to be much more pass-happy. It's going to be like the Big 12. It's going to be hard to play defense. Uh, Okay, uh, Amari has looked really good in Dallas so far and still doesn't know the plays. Dak makes concerted effort to get on the ball. In Oakland, he had been a non-factor forever since Carr broke his ankle. Once the criticisms of Carr came, returning last year, he was too timid in the pocket and constantly checking down. Earlier in the year when questioned why they can't get Amari the ball, both Gruden and Amari said he was getting open. On top of that, we've seen Carr make some of really uh, so many bonehead plays. So my question is this. Do you think Amari and the Raiders offense as a whole disappearing is more to do with Derek than it is the system these past two years? And do the Raiders need to trade him this offseason? Uh, I think it's a combination of both. I think the last couple weeks, there are two tackles. Colt Miller, whether his knees hurt or whatever, it sucks. I mean, he's terrible. And their right tackle, the young guy, Parker, the third rounder, is worse. So when you can't block anyone at the edges, anyone listening to this, uh, a fan of any NFL team has known that one year when you had an embarrassing either a left tackle or a right tackle that just is not an NFL player, your whole offense is shot. Like, you can't function. I remember a couple years ago, uh, Anthony Davis retired from the 49ers, and they were kind of screwed. It happened in the offseason, and they signed Jonathan Martin. 
and he was so bad they could not function on offense. But I, I, I don't think Derek, him and Derek were not on the same page. I, I It kind of felt like Amari wasn't really feeling Derek that much. And it didn't feel like Derek was all in on Amari either. Uh, it was just one of those times where for Amari, it was just time for a fresh start. But I do know this. Is Amari ever going to be Odell Beckham or even like a Michael Thomas or Devontae Adams? No. I mean, those guys are top five, six receivers. But he's definitely should be like a top 15 wide receiver. He should be someone every year giving you 80 to 90, 1,210 touchdowns. And he has flash. Like, he has that type talent. And I think we should still see him grow in Dallas. But to answer your question in a long-winded way, I think it was a combination of everything. Uh, I think Gruden just didn't love kind of the non-alpha in Amari. I think he did appreciate Amari's speed and route running. Uh, but it kind of turned him off that he's just not a one, and he was going to have to get paid. And then Derek, I think there's some into Derek just getting timid, not being the same guy since his ankle hurt. I think there's a combination of the tackle sucking. It was just a combination of like 10 different things that just equal a disaster. And that's what the Raiders have had, a disaster of a season. Heard the podcast the other day, and you discussed college quarterback draft prospects. And you said you're not sure what kind of prospect tool will be. To me, he seems like he can make every throw. I watched Justin Herbert the other night, and I'm thinking, this guy? Question? Could you teach us a little bit about projecting quarterbacks to the NFL specifically? Would love to watch college with more of a trained eye. I I think the key with watching college quarterback, now it's changed a little bit because the rules have changed. I used to look for just body type. I mean, you couldn't be a midget and play, and that's really changed the last five, six years because Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield was short, went one. Hell, even Johnny Manziel went in the first round. So height is not as... Uh, big of a factor, maybe as it was 10, 20, 30 years ago. But the first thing you want to do is just see a guy physically. Like, I, I've been lucky enough to stand on a lot of NFL sidelines during warmups, And for the most part, every good quarterback I've seen live the last seven, eight years, whether it was when I lived in Philly and they all came through. I went to Raider and Niner games forever, seen all these guys from Phillip Rivers to Eli now, these guys are older now. The Flacco's, that, that whole crew of guys, Big Ben's to Brady to Rodgers. I mean, these guys are big. Like, if you ever see, like, Eli, now I know he sucks now, but Rivers, uh, I got Roethlisberger, you know, run by, like, the dude is massive. Like, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, those guys are huge. Like, you, see, Jared Goff, I was just watching Lewis Riddick and Steve Young. Now, Steve Young's not the tallest guy. I work with Lewis. Like, Lewis is a legit 6'2". Goff was towering over him on television. Goff's huge. You know, Darnold's massive. Rosen's tall. Obviously, Josh Allen's really big. Patrick Mahomes is tall. Trubisky's a little smaller, but he's thick, and he's a really big athlete. So I think then the other first key I always look for, and it's a balance. Like, there is a, a level of arm strength you have to have. You don't need to be Mahomes or Mike Vick. But I, I do have a soft spot for an above-average arm. That's kind of my mindset. Like, I, I'm not big into, like, the Alex Smith soft arms. But if you are going to have an average arm, you better be very accurate. That's what Baker Mayfield had. Now, Baker had a better arm than, let's say, Alex. 
but the accuracy now is so key because all these teams are running basically spread offenses. So accuracy and then all the pocket stuff. Just your pocket presence, your pocket feel, your feel for the rush, your ru- the rush. There's also a level, and this is hard to quantify, it's just your instincts as a football player. It's one thing I loved about Baker Mayfield. One thing you see with Patrick Mahomes, just very instinctive players. You even see it a little bit with Mitch as a runner, great runner. Deshaun Watson, very instinctive player. So I'd say the knock on two is just small. Like, is he even six feet tall? But the positives are, you're right, he can make every throw. Another knock would be, and here's the hard part about college. Now, the NFL game that I just watched, guys were wide open all night long. So you're throwing it to wide open guys. For the most part in the history of the NFL, you're throwing into tight windows. You're throwing into tight spots. That's changing a little. So you might actually have to change the way you evaluate quarterbacks. But if you're playing like Chicago Bears or a good defense, it's not everything is going to be as wide open as tonight. Now, let's face it, the Chiefs' DBs are not good. But you have to be able to make pinpoint throws in, in muddied pockets. On the move now is huge. And the, there's a huge element to quarterback, like, there is a baseline intelligence level. Have you ever heard some of these coaches in the NFL talk about play calls? How much verbiage there is in one play call? Like, your intellectual capacity has to be big. It's really hard to play quarterback if you're dumb. Now, there have been slower guys than others that have overcome it. Like, I think Brett Favre would be the first to tell you. He ain't a rocket scientist, you know? But I even think Peyton Manning would tell you. He's not the smartest guy. He just outworks you. And then there are just some guys that are brilliant. Like Drew Brees. Drew Brees is like the combination of them both. Purdue guy, smart, but he's also a super hard worker. Or Aaron Rodgers, really smart. So I, I, I think it's changing. I've had to adapt my philosophy. Maybe I'm most harsh on Tua. Maybe he might be the perfect quarterback in 2020 or whenever he's coming out. Just... Hit wide open guys. Maybe I'm the outdated one. I, I don't know. So I, I, I would say accuracy is accuracy, arm strength, size, mobility, pocket presence. Uh, and so, like I said, size. We had to adapt that a little bit. You don't need to be tower over people. Uh, it's, it's just there's so many things that you can't quantify. Like if you play receiver, how fast are you? How big are you? Uh, how how do you jump? How many catches do you have? How do you produce? What are your go-to routes? What are you not good at? Like, it's, for the most part, pretty quantifiable. Like, same with running backs. Same with linebackers. You know, I mean, not saying the tape still matters, but you can quantify a lot of stuff with the tape, with, you know, a breakdown of his size, his measurements, his production. With quarterback, I mean, you can give me production, but now in college, what does that even mean? If I told you a guy throws 60 touchdowns in college, well, you wouldn't even know what to say. But you, when you watch them, you know. You know, and that's why the eye test, that's why so many people can't miss on quarterbacks. They don't know what they're looking at. I, I was lucky enough to be around a guy that I feel has a pretty good, you know, idea of what he's looking for in quarterbacks and just got to watch him coach him and Coach Reed. Now, I, I'll give Andy some credit. Like, he's more open-minded than me with quarterbacks. He loved Alex, and he loves Mahomes, and he loved Michael Vick. And he loved Favre. And he loved McNabb. Like, he's liked them all. All shapes and sizes. Runners, short guys, tall guys, average arms, big arms. I mean, Kevin Cobb. Cobb. Kevin Cobb. Cobb. 
I can't even remember his name. And I, he was a starter when I first got there. He was a terrible arm. It, it was average as the day is long. Like, Andy's really open-minded. Not every coach is. Okay, last one. John, am I crazy as a Colts fan to think that come 2020, the Colts could be a legit Super Bowl contender and even favorites in the AFC? With the way Luck and the O-line have looked this year, in addition to assuming they draft a few more defensive playmakers in the next couple drafts, with Darius Leonard and Malik Hooker, am I nuts to think the Colts can be a Super Bowl team in two years once Brady and Ben have retired, or at least well past the peak of their abilities? Well, the problem with the last part is Brady's already 41 years old and still kicking. Uh, Roethlisberger's like 37, still going strong. But I 2020, I mean, they're 5-5. Five and five. They won four straight games. They're not out of the playoff mix at all. They still could get that sixth seed. I, why couldn't they make a run this year? I mean, Andrew Luck's thrown touchdown, three touchdowns in seven straight games. He looks awesome. Their defense is playing well. Like you said, Darius Leonard makes big-time plays every game. Mack and Hines are making plays. T.Y. Hilton looks fantastic. Like you said, the offensive line, the head coach is good. Give Josh McDaniel some credit for Uberflus. You know, I mean, he just hired him even before Frank Reich was there, and he just stayed, and he's been pretty solid. The Colts are good. I, are the Colts a playoff team right now? I think so. I think they're going to make the playoffs this year, or at least get damn close. If I had to put $1,000 right now, are the Colts at 5-5 five and five, more likely to go seven and nine or nine and seven. I'd put it on nine and seven. And it's eight and eight, I just break. I'd go nine and seven. I think they end up at nine and seven or ten and six. I mean, there, there's beside the Saints, there ain't five teams playing better than them right now. Chiefs, Steelers aren't. They just played terrible on Sunday. Like Colts are rolling. I wouldn't want to play the Colts in a playoff game. Like we just talked about the rules. Seven on. We talk about physical attributes. Andrew Luck's 6'5". He's 240. He can run. He can make every throw. He's accurate. He's a killer. He has incredible pocket presence. His understanding of what you're doing on defense is incredible. His best receiver is a 5'7 speed midget that he makes look like, you know, an all-pro. Now, T.Y. is a good player, but, I mean, come on. If he's your number one wide receiver and Luck... Now, again, I like T.Y. Hilton, but come on. I mean, he should be a really good number two. And that's what he's dealing with. And he's always, that's what he's dealt with. And he just kicks ass. He's incredible. Andrew Luck is awesome. Sleeper MVP candidate right now. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I 2020, I, I don't think you need to look that far. So, let's even be realistic. Let's say they go 9-7 and seven this year, make a wild card, and lose in the first round. Yeah, I'd say they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender with another good offseason. Chris Ballard flexing his muscles, having a good little GM run here. Don't sleep on Chris Ballard. Left at the altar by Josh McDaniels. Doesn't flinch. Might have even upgraded with Frank. And now his quarterback shoulder's healthy. He's on pace for like 60 touchdown throws. I'm a big Colts guy. Uh, What a fun pod, man. What a week. What a Monday night game. What an incredible night. God, I love football. Thanks for listening. Three and Out Podcast, John Middlecoff. Because it's Turkey Day, I don't know if I'll do one on Friday. I might see you Friday. If not, I'll see you next week. God bless football, man. Woo! Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.